This is the Straight Dope Podcast. Today I'm going to talk to you about the craft drill, the craft challenge, or whatever it is that you're going to call it, uh, the craft data target that you've seen on the internet and I've talked about on videos and other people's podcasts. I'm going to break down some of the frequently asked questions and talk my way through it, how I use it, how I think about it, because a lot of people do whatever they want with it, and that's perfectly fine. But because people come to me with questions, I am going to entertain some of those questions and let's let her rip. Before I do, though, I want to tell you that in the show notes, there's sponsor links. Hit those sponsor links, check them out, give them uh, thanks, buy your stuff there. And if you want to support the podcast directly, go to riflecraft.com and get a supporter subscription. Supporters are going to be rolled into the online training program that's going to launch here at the end of the year, which is going to be pretty awesome, but we'll talk about that later. Let's talk about the craft challenge. A few years ago, I put out a craft challenge to get people to shoot the craft target, an eight-inch diamond that has concentric diamonds going into a one-inch diamond at the center. The reason I have it one inch on the X and Y axis is because it allows me to measure things better and exploit fundamental flaws and errors. I'll talk to you about that in a second, but the idea was to get as many people that are shooting actively on the internet to participate, and we had thousands of people participate. Then we came up with a website to enter your data and log it like an online um, training diary where you can log your targets over time and see your growth and your progress and get some suggestions on area to grow. And now the podcast is out talking about stuff that I've learned as I explore my own shooting kind of um, journey, right? The marksmanship journey, whatever you call it. So I think of the craft challenge as a waypoint, right? A starting waypoint on this navigation journey. And that's how I think of other people's because we're all doing our own thing. And we all have different goals and different outlets and different objectives, but this will help with everything. I think whether you're a competitor or a hunter or an enthusiast or your law enforcement or your military, you can learn from this and you can grow as a marksman by truly looking at and understanding the elements of your shooting that need improvement and also looking at your shooting in a way where you can quantitatively decide what are you capable of and what are you not capable of to set expectations. So that craft challenge happened. And since then, thousands of targets continue to come in every year. And so I have a lot of data on how people are shooting these 12 shots from four positions. But I wanna, I wanna talk about the details a little bit because on one hand they matter and on the other hand they don't. Do I care if you do standing, kneeling, seated, prone? The answer is no. I care that you use four different heights and I wanna have a tall height, two medium heights, and a low height. Whether or not you're seating or you're kneeling doesn't matter to me, but if you shoot from a seated position regularly, you should probably be measuring that regularly. If you like to kneel, then you should probably figure out what your highest kneeling is and what your lowest kneeling is. The craft challenge really identifies whether you can apply the same fundamentals regardless of the height of the rifle, and that has to do with the relationship of the rifle to your body and whether you understand what those elements actually are that go from the shooter to the rifle, because I believe the rifle has a certain capability with the ammo, and as soon as a shooter touches that rifle, they're gonna start adding error. So 
understanding how much error you add and what those tendencies are is empowering because then it can tell you what you need to work on. I don't believe in a cookie cutter class kind of thing. I don't believe that I could say, you know, here's 30 shooters, everybody do this drill and you'll all get better. I think some people will get better, some people won't, and some people might actually get worse because that's not what they need or how they need to do it. And so this identifies individual shooter tendencies and capabilities that I think. So I call it a craft diagnostic. It's usually the first thing that I do with a shooter if I'm going to work with them one-on-one or if I'm doing it virtually, I still have them do it. I look at the paper and I'm pretty good at being able to say, okay, we need to do this first or these three things first, and this will have a big improvement in a short period of time for you, but then we're going to have to peel back those layers and continue to work things. As a diagnostic, the craft, the craft drill, the craft challenge, whatever you want to call it, is fantastic. It's a diagnostic for an individual, but I think more importantly for coaches, for trainers, for courses, and people that are involved in understanding where shooters are and then being able to identify what they might need to work on rather than saying, you know, I learned something this way, you have to do it this way, and this is what the results are going to be because I just don't think that's actually going to happen. <clears throat> I think that the craft diagnostic leads to training with information. I think that training is not doing more craft drills. I know that some people do craft drills regularly, and I think that's fine. I do think that you need to do periodic checkups with the craft drill, but if I'm working with somebody, it's usually maybe every three weeks, maybe every four weeks. I have 30 or 40 other targets and drills that I do to focus in on specific flaws that a shooter has. So those of you that have trained with me or I'm coaching online or something like that, you you guys are, are well aware of this. I think other people are less aware. Sometimes Instagram, there's pictures of the targets and the drills that people are posting, but I like using the craft diagnostic to precision blah, to precision tailor somebody's program to their shooting ability and say, look, you need to work this. And they, sometimes shooters are obsessed with something that I'm not obsessed with. And so I like to have discussions with them. Like, you know, the, the shooting a small group is great, but but that's not going to lead to the results in most outlets, right? You have to have wind reading. You have to have environmentals, ballistics. You have to understand stress. You have to understand movement, the time it takes you to set up, break down. What are you going to do after? So on and so forth. So there's a lot of scales that need to be added in order to decide whether somebody's functional with a rifle and not just how good the rifle itself shoots. Um, I think you can overdo drills. <clears throat> so when people train, a lot of times I say, hey, what do you do? And it sounds to me like they overtrain specific drills. And what I mean by overtraining is that they're not thinking much about what they're doing. And I think there's a big difference between um, like exercising and training. And so I think if you're just exercising with your rifle, you might not be getting or going after the results that you think you might be. But if you're training, it's an intelligent design program to target strengths and weaknesses and bridge that gap. And so don't overdo a drill. Um, because you can train things with no benefit. And sometimes you can train them at a detriment, right? But you can also specialize in something like the craft drill or anything that's specific like this and get good at it, just like people get good at styles of competition. Um, I think you need to be careful not to do that. And the best way to do that but still maintain what the essence of the craft challenge is 
is change the heights that you're shooting it from, right? If you always, if you if you put marks on your tripod and you always shoot standing that way, always shoot kneeling one way, right? A lot of people recommend, oh, you know, adjust it to you. And I believe it's the other way around. If you have good fundamentals, you can adjust your fundamentals to any height. And so there isn't an ideal height. I think that there's ideal fundamentals that can be applied across all heights. And so, you know, if I was going to argue with somebody, that's the stance that I would take is you don't have an ideal standing height necessarily. I mean, yeah, you, I mean, okay. So to play devil's advocate, yeah, you can, right? You have proper bone support, you have proper so on and so forth. But the thing is like, I could stand up with my legs a, feet, a foot apart. I could stand up with my legs two feet apart. I could stand up with my legs three feet apart. And my, the height of my connection to the rifle is now going down. And so what's, what's ideal? And, and, and I think that that's a rabbit hole I don't really want to jump into. I think if there is a rifle at a height, a good shooter can adjust their fundamentals to that height and apply those fundamentals properly and hit small targets, right? Um, I don't, I don't know the dude, but there's a guy that has cleaned a couple PRS matches. My hunch is he can properly apply fundamentals at any height and does it repeatedly. And that's why, you know, that's a part of the reason why he's hitting small targets quickly in locations where, um, where he doesn't necessarily train. And there's plenty of other shooters, but that comes to mind because I think that that style of competition is rapid fundamental applications, right? With, with very little stress. So he's applying fundamentals rapidly and adjusting on the fly, you know, with, with decent wind calls and stuff. Uh, I think a good shooter can do that. I think somebody that gets too accustomed to specific heights, they've trained to the test rather than training the art of shooting, which is applying fundamentals properly and then doing all the other stuff that goes into being a shooter that isn't just hitting where you're aiming or, or having the capability of applying good fundamentals at a hundred yards. So as waypoints, you know, what, what do I, what do I think is important? People ask me a lot, Hey, I shoot rimfire. What range should I put it at? Or my range is 90 meters. Uh, can we adjust it to 90 meters? And I get it. When I said the craft challenge, I said, shoot this at 100 yards. These are one inch at the X and Y axis. It works really well for measurement. That was for me to measure and apply it. There isn't a standard. So I think that when people hear a test or a challenge, they think, okay, well, what's the best? I want to be able to do the best. And the best is, um, you know, shoot to the best of your ability and not compare it to other people. If you have 90 meters or you have 110 yards or you have you know, 80 yards or you have 150 yards, I don't really care. And if you have a rimfire and you're zeroed at 25 yards, I usually recommend people to do it at their zero distance at first. But if the groups are too small, so here's the problem. If the groups are too small, you can't read the patterns. And so I've seen shooters that I had to take to 200 yards to read their patterns better. And so they had pretty small groups, you know, they were under two inches and I really wanted to exploit that pattern, which extends out at a distance. And so I said, Hey, let's do it at 200 yards because I'll be able to read the paper better. And that had great results. Does it matter that it was at 200 yards? Well, it matters that the group opened up so I could see those patterns a little bit different and I could look at their fundamentals and how they were applying them. If somebody shoots eight inches on their target, 
I might pull them in a little bit, or if they're missing the target, I might pull them in a little bit so that they're hitting the target completely. But I don't think that the size of the group matters. I think what matters is identifying the patterns and the influences that you're having on the rifle so that you could work those things separately, right? You're not working the craft challenge. You're using it as a diagnostic to understand what you're doing and when and how and why, and then you fiddle with those reasons. And typically that allows you in fewer shots to bring that group size down and be more repeatable at more heights, at different heights. So if somebody brings that down quickly, I'll change the height of all of those positions by six or seven, eight inches, something like that. Like, you know, I'll go in between all those distances. See, okay, did they adjust themselves to the height or are they starting to feel what the connection to the rifle needs to be to apply those fundamentals correctly? And so those questions I think are really important and it involves a lot of work from me. And it involves a lot of work from the shooter. And that's why you can't take a class of 30 people and do it all at once. You have to work one-on-one or one-on-two with people and go back and forth. Okay, I see this going on and I see this going on. Or if I have a group like at the Guardian and we did a craft diagnostic and then we taught them tricks to perform better the next day, I think that you triage the groups. Okay, here's some people that have a pattern. Here's some people that have a pattern. And you separate them into those major patterns And then you work what those major patterns need to work individually. Um, And so that's how Frank and I are teaching classes now. And uh, 2024 is going to be packed full of classes. There's going to be four or five at Cameo for the mountain stuff. And there's going to probably be a dozen at Fort Morgan and more. And then I'm going to have one day uh, tune-ups, train-ups, and and outlet-specific training. Like one day or maybe a couple days a week. But, but, But that hasn't launched yet, but the, but the point is there's going to be specific areas to work on, and if those specific areas need work, you'll see improvement. But if you just go and do a blanket workout, you might not necessarily see the results of that, right? If you're a swimmer and we go do plyometric box jumps, you know, you, you might not see that apply to your swimming as well as uh, a trail runner or um, something. So, you know, I I think that that you need to apply the appropriate workouts and appropriate training things to the demands that you're going to put them through. And so I think hunters are different. I think PRS shooters are different. I think uh, competition dynamic shooters are different. Law enforcement is different. Um, Military is different. different. They're all unique, and and they don't... There's some overlaps, and there's not overlaps in a lot of the ways that they're applying stuff, but fundamentals are fundamentals. You know, shooting a rifle is shooting a rifle. So marksmanship part of all of that falls back to this diagnostic, this drill. And so, no, I think if you're going to do it, keep in mind that you want that group to hash out. And I think it's better when bullet holes don't touch. And so if you need to take it to 150 yards so the bullets don't touch, that might be better because you really want to isolate. Why did this shot go here? Why did this shot go here? And I don't think the answer is there's a flyer or it's a bad load. I think once you understand the capability and the fundamentals of the rifle and you start shooting, you can see patterns of your influence on it. And that's what it's used for. And that's what the, the website, all of the algorithms that were custom designed for it are designed to show patterns, not necessarily give a shit about the size. If all you want is small groups, then get prone and a heavy bag and a heavy rifle and you know a good barrel. And I think you can shoot small groups. The problem is 
most applications involve much more than just getting a super heavy rifle prone and shooting a small group. So you want to understand what your capabilities are. But then I think what's important for everybody to understand is that you do something with the rifle and it's not just shoot paper at 100 yards. Understanding where you are now and what that means in terms of your hit percentage, in terms of your expectations. If you shoot a three inch craft drill, then you should be able to apply yourself to three MOA targets until environmentals start to layer in. And then when you get out to that distance where environmentals are gonna play a big role in hit percentage, it's gonna go down. You might not hit 100% of the time if you're at three inches, but what's gonna improve your hit percentages? Well, take that three inch group and bring it to two, right? That's not only gonna extend your capable distance of hitting, but it's gonna give you budget for environmental calculations. And as your environmental and your fundamental skills grow, so does your ability to hit fixed size targets going out further and further. So I think that at first it's fundamentals and then it's probably wind and then uh, then you need to consider ballistics, the, the load development and the consistency of the speed of the bullet plays a big role in hitting targets at distance that you can't control as a shooter if that's what you got. So if I have a standard deviation of 30, a target needs to have much more vertical space for me to feel comfortable hitting it or, or gambling that I'm gonna hit it every time because that standard deviation is gonna expose different speeds, different times of flight, and that's gonna represent itself on a targeted distance as different elevations. Right, And so as that standard deviation grows, as the standard deviation shrinks, that vertical is going to come down, but it's only going to come down as much as the shooter error and the system error that are in that. But if you have good fundamentals and you can apply those well, then you can go out further and start to measure wind. And if you can apply wind better, then you can go out to distance and see if fundamentals, wind, and load all um, kind of line up on that target that you're shooting at. But if you just start going out to distance and you miss a target, there's literally no way that anybody could say definitively why you missed a target, right? Even with trigger cams and whatever, if you're a six inch shooter shooting at a three inch target, or you know, if you're a six MOA shooter shooting at a three inch target with four miles an hour of wind reading ability, why you hit or miss that target out there is a wild guess, right? And a lot of times people say, well, what, what's your win method? And they say, you know, wild ass guess. It's like, yeah, it has to be a wild ass guess because you have no fucking idea what actually played a role in that. But if you work yourself out logically and you understand your skill sets in sequence, then when a shooter misses, I can usually say you missed because of this or this or you hit because of this or this, or this shooter is not going to miss that target, assuming something catastrophic doesn't happen. And so, yeah, you have mental mistakes, but, but, but there's ways of calculating probability of hit based on all of those things that require close to far training. And I, I, to me, that's my approach. I don't, you can't just jump out to distance. We can get you to hit a target. Shit, we could, you know, we could hit a thousand yards with your Glock 19. We could hit a thousand yards with your 22 rimfire. It's just gonna take a lot of bullets. I want shooters to know when you take this shot, you understand your probability of hit based on your skill sets where it is today. 
And I think that starts with the craft challenge. If you haven't done it, go to riflecraft.com, download a target and start entering it. Um, and I think it's freaking awesome. I think it's the baseline. Honestly, it is what provides waypoints in your navigation on this marksmanship journey. You know, I'm obsessed with land navigation and, and fieldcraft skills. I see it as the starting point. It's that first step in that thousands and thousands of mile journey that really probably has no end point. But you have to know where your fundamentals are and where your system is. And from there, you create your own adventure. There's no better or worse in terms of outlets. We all have different outlets and interests. But all of that relies on us understanding where we are as shooters. And a lot of shooters have the ability to successfully do what they like to do without getting better. And so when they come to me and they say, well, you know, my rifle only shoots an inch. You know, I say, well, what do you do? Well, well, you know, I like to hunt elk. Well, okay, you know, how's your load look? And how's your how's your fundamentals? And how's your craft drill? Well, you know, it's usually around a three or a four, three and a half. I say, okay, well, that's a little better than average. And in what distance are you usually shooting elk? You know, I don't know, inside 250 yards. Like, okay, cool. Um, you know, I don't I don't think you're gonna miss the kill zone. Let's think about other things that you do and shoot. Oh, okay, I don't need a better rifle. No, I think you're gonna hit the target that that you're gonna aim at in that distance unless it takes you 10 minutes to set up or you get super nervous or uh, you know you forgot to put a bullet in in the the, the brass and you know I, I mean I, I don't know there's, there's there's other reasons or you make too much noise or um, but if somebody's trying to do something saying okay well here's the parameters of success for you do you meet those parameters and slightly exceed them so that we could layer on other things to figure out what's going on and I, to me that all starts with can you fundamentally apply yourself to the rifle knowing that that first shot and every shot after is going to hit what you're aiming at at the distance you're going to shoot at or are you okay with 50 50 are you okay with 80 20 i i don't know um for what I like to do, I like to feel confident in my shot and know that the only reason I'm going to miss is because I made a poor wind call. You know, I think that it's naive to think that you won't ever miss because of wind. Um, and, and I'm okay with that for me personally at certain distances. You know, if I'm shooting a thousand yards, I'm okay. Well, it depends on the target size though, right? And so you just don't know. And, and there's some things that, that you know, we'll probably get better and we'll probably be able to do things better. But, but I do think that, that at some point you need to take those steps out in a logical way. And that's how I'm designing this training program that's going to be online. It's how I design my courses and it's how I work with shooters one-on-one. -on -one and it's how I work with myself. And uh, I think it's successful. I think it brings people up in fewer rounds in a shorter time as long as they're willing to accept some things about their shooting. And generally, that first thing that they need to accept is most of the error is coming from you right? or coming from me. It's coming from the shooter. Let's address the shooter first. If we're doing that and we realize the gun is totally jacked, we can work with that too. But it's usually not the system. right? And I like that. So that's the craft challenge. Shoot at any distance you want. Make sure you see patterns. Um, and don't obsess over the craft challenge itself. Obsess over the things that it exposes. And if you don't 
know what it means or how to work with that, when you go to your next class, ask them, how do I do this? What do I work on for this? How do I, you know, right? Because it shouldn't be a one size fits all. It should be, here's where your fundamentals are. Here's how you need to fix your problems, right? Or not problems, but here's how you're going to make improvement. And that improvement is going to be unique to you based on the things that you've done up to this point, the habits you've developed. You need to unbuild some of those habits that are keeping you where you are to put in room for the new habits, right? Uh, last last season, I had the 100% episode of whether you like it or not, you fill your day 100%. It's full of stuff. Now, some of that you might wish you spent wiser and spent more time doing other things, but whether you like it or not, every day you fill up 100%, and that goes into your training too. When you train or go shoot, you're doing it 100%, but that 100% is keeping you where you're at. And so you need to take some of that 100% and reinvest it in something that you're not doing. It'll still be 100%, but that'll provide a new level of your performance, right? Of course, if you reinvest the wrong thing, then you'll go down, but you have that choice to decide, what am I gonna take out that isn't doing me any good so that I put in, so I level up and I, I, I think about, most of life that way. How am I going to level up these skills? Okay, I have 100%. What did I do with my time? I feel like people are representations of maybe the last three to six months of their life for the most part. What are the last habits that you've had for three to six months in your shooting and your work and your exercise and your diet? Because that's kind of where you're at now. It's not who you were five years ago or 10 years ago. It's who you were the last three to six months. And that's your baseline. Okay, you know, do you spend four hours on Instagram? You could probably take some of those four hours and do something in another category. And when it comes to shooting, if you just go to the range, shoot a zero target, and then you throw rounds at a thousand yard gong, we could probably save some of those rounds and do something that'll help you understand your shooting a little bit better. Or not. I mean, if, if, if that's what you love, then that's what you love. But I think if you listen to this, you want to understand your shooting better. I want to understand your shooting better. In fact, my whole obsession now with shooting is helping other people get better. And I'm convinced that this is the way to do it. The, the craft system, you know, and all my diagnostics classes and techniques are focused on the individual, but it requires work and effort. And some people, you know, that it's not worth extra work or effort. And some people it is. And the ones that are willing to do it and focus on it get success. So that's the craft challenge. That's for you. Uh, I would be psyched to see and hear your stuff. Uh, so, so share it and let it rip and share your targets and tell your friends and, uh, we'll see you at the range.